Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Great. Welcome to Greater Alton. My name is Tim, and uh, glad to have you with us. We just had treats from the trunk last night. Wow. Wow, wow. 2,600 people came, and uh, it didn't feel like it, man. We, we were throwing candy and passing people by as fast as we could, but uh, had a great time. I live for the three-year-old jaw to drop. I just loved it. I was, we had them, we had this shrink machine and we were shrinking things, making things bigger and watching these kids go. It was just so much fun. I love it when that happens. So I uh, hope you had a good time last night. You know, we do treat the trunk to, to meet uh, people in the community and they always, seems like it's always a lot of fun, but it's also good for us, isn't it? We get to do stuff together. We let our imaginations run wild and, um, hopefully we'll get some pictures. I'm sure there'll be some on the website and possibly we can, uh, maybe let, let you see a few, uh, Sometime, maybe next week or so, okay? Uh, again, good to have you with us. Is this, if this is your first time here, pick up a free CT, CD of today's lesson. We'd love you to have that. Uh, if not, get last week's. I heard it was a good one. And we talked about pure in heart last week. We've been studying the Beatitudes. We're looking at, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, we're looking at the whole Sermon on the Mount. And we've started off by looking at the Beatitudes. And we've been looking at these, these things that, that Jesus Christ taught at the beginning of His ministry. You're going to find out that this sermon was the, was the best sermon ever. And this sermon is explained for the rest of the Bible. It seems like they, they keep coming back to the, the principles from the Sermon on the Mount. And why is that? This is the sermon of the King of Kings. You should pay attention to it. Huh? We should pay attention to it. So we've been looking at what, what, is the, what are the desires of the King. When we learn like how blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, when you have this need for God, God blesses that. We've looked at things like, uh, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, God will bless you for that. And so today, we're going to talk about how to handle opposition to your faith. What do I do when I experience uh, some form of opposition, perhaps even persecution? There's a verse up here on the screen. If you'd like to follow, you can follow along in the notes there in the bulletin. And you'll notice a communication card there as well if you'd like to jot something down for people to pray about, or you're making a decision today, we'd like to know about that. We want to pray for you when you do that. We'll be pick, picking those cards up at the end of the service, at, toward the end. But look what the Bible says here. Paul says to a young preacher named Tim, he says, anyone who belongs to Christ Jesus and wants to live right will have trouble from others. If, you, if you're a Christian, by the way, last Sunday Jody Catherall was baptized. Jody, are you, I know you're in here. Where are you at? Where's she at? There she is, right over there. <laughs> All right. And she was, she's in the bulletin, and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and here she is. She's been baptized. And, you know, all of, a lot of us here remember when we were baptized. And look what the Bible says. It's not just for Jody. It's for all of us. Since we're, we belong to Christ and we're wanting to live for Him, to please Him, we're going to have opposition. You know, even after the baptism of Jesus, He faced Satan, didn't He? He was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. You know, he, he had all this stuff, or he fasted that long, and then he was tempted by Satan. And so Satan's going to hassle you. You can count on it. It doesn't say if it. It says, it says that it will happen. Now, when we talk about persecution today, we're living in the United States, and I was thinking about what a persecution maybe we experience. It's nothing like the rest of the world. Not right now. All I have to say is a few words, and... And you know what I'm talking about. ISIS, Syria, Iraq, Iran, uh, Ege in Turkey, you know, talking to him on the phone. He just talks about how hard it is to share his faith with people because they're all scared to death to become Christians. They want to, but they're afraid. Why are they so afraid? Well, in the last 2,000 years, 70 million Christians have been killed for their faith. Seventy million, and guys, in 2,000 years, half of them have been killed in the last 100 years. It seems to me that it's getting more difficult and more difficult to be a Christian in this, on this planet. Would you agree with that? It sure is. A hundred million, uh, million right now followers of Christ are in hostile nations on this planet. A hundred million of us. Get this, 1.3 million Christians used to be in, in Iraq. After the Gulf War, it's now less than 100,000. 
Oh, the New York Times, I was reading this morning online from the New York Times, and it was talking about how a half a million Christians, people who claim to follow Christ, have been driven out of Syria in the last three years. Right now in North Korea, 70,000 Christians are in prison. In North Korea. And guess what the world is doing about it? Nothing. Nothing. This dwarfs the Holocaust. And nothing. We're, sending, we're bombing a few cities. You say, well... I'm so glad I'm living in the United States, and I'm with you there too. I was thinking about this this morning, how blessed I am, how blessed you are to be in a country where you could, I can preach and not worry about getting shot most of the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, if, if, if preachers get shot in our country, it's because some lunatic didn't like what he had to say. You know, he got, he got upset not because he's a Christian. Um, we got it made. You have it made in this country. Praying with James Lampley this morning, we're just talking about how, how easy it is. I mean, what's the worst you've ever had happen to you because you're a Christian? Your feelings got hurt. I'll never forget years ago, first moved here in 1985. In our small group, we had a Bible talk, and we were uh, inviting friends to, to it, and we, we, we were having chili. We were going to have some chili. So we're inviting people, hey, come have some chili with us. And a friend of mine comes up. He'd been a Christian a month. He goes, oh, Tim, what's wrong? Oh, man, it's been a rough week. You know, I've been out here inviting my friends. I invited my best friend. Yeah, and what happened? Oh, he did not respond well. What happened? He said, he said, I'm not coming to your chili revival. Chili revival? I've never heard of it called that before. We're just having chili. I know. And it hurt my feelings. That's, I mean, honestly, guys, nobody's beheading. Nobody's shooting. Nobody's, in, in Syria, they're beheading children, raping the mothers, and hanging the fathers. That's what's going on right now. Every ten minutes, two Christians, two people who claim to follow Christ, are being killed. Every ten minutes, two of them. And that's been happening since 2000. Our world's getting more hostile. And you may say, well, I live in the United States, thank God. Well, can I tell you that I don't know how long we're going to be insulated from this. You know, remember Queen Esther? Remember the Jews were in trouble and she was Jewish and she goes to her uncle and Mordecai says, you need to go talk to the king. And she goes, well, why? Why should I do that? He goes, uh, have you forgot? Just because you're the queen doesn't mean you're somehow protected from what's going to happen because you're Jewish. You may have been born or you may be here for such a time as this. And guys, today, here we are living in a free country and and, and, and our, our opposition to our faith is more, more subtle and subversive than aggressive. And I know some of you, you know, you, you remember, maybe you've had your faith opposed this week. You've been trying to be a Christian and somebody starts making fun of Christians. I mean, watch TV. And they make fun of us. Or, or you get some family member who just can't stand Church people can't stand Christians, and so you bring it up at Thanksgiving, we're going to pray. What? Why do we need to pray? And they give you a hard time, and what do you find yourself doing? Kind of dialing it down a little bit, back up a little bit, maybe comply or even conform because you're afraid of the rejection from a family member or a co-worker or a friend. Jesus says... These words, this is what we're keying on today in Matthew chapter 5. He says these words, God blesses those people who are treated badly for doing right. They belong to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus Christ says, listen, you follow me, you do what's right, 
you are going to be treated badly. Some, why? Because when you start pleasing God, you ain't going to please everybody else. You know? And I know sometimes pleasing people, it just makes life easier. Or does it? Because I tell you about some of my most miserable times in my life have been when I've been trying to please somebody. And yet we buy into this. If I, if I, Jesus, God, Jesus says, look, God will bless you if you'll take a stand and do what's right. The kingdom of heaven is yours. You are in my kingdom, my reign, my rule. You're with me. And so my armies, my power, my wisdom is with you too. Amen. But look what else Jesus says. He, he elaborates on this beatitude probably more than any of them. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you. And why? Because you are my followers. I know people that get mocked and persecuted and all kinds of things are said about them because they're jerks. But Jesus says, ah, when you're following me, when you're like me, you can expect it. And look what he, look what he says to choose. When that happens, be happy about it. Be very glad. Why? For a, great, for a great reward awaits for you in heaven. And remember. What? Remember this, Tim. Remember this, Greater Alton Church. The ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. It's interesting. I noticed, that, I noticed that when Jesus is talking here, He's saying, whenever you feel, you're feeling the pressure to conform and to cave in, when you feel that... Again, it's nothing compared to the rest of the world, but guys, it's opposition nonetheless, right? Anything that makes you shrink back, it's resistance. And when you side in with the Lord, you're going to have some problems with, the other, with evil. Evil's going to, going to fight against you because you just went against the grain. But I notice that Jesus tells us in, in the Beatitudes, there's, there's two things in Sermon on the Mount. There's two things you can do. You can remember and you can do something. When these times happen, I don't know what kind of opposition you're going through. Maybe it's real subtle, a little peer pressure in the classroom. Maybe at work. You know, I always thought when I got high, out of high school and got out of college, or you know, I, I I wouldn't have peer pressure. It happens all the time, doesn't it? You, you where you work, in your families. We're getting ready to get into the holidays, so we're going to be meeting our families. We see once a year, and why is it only once a year? Well, when you get with them, you figure that out. I can only handle an afternoon. And then it's time to go our separate ways. Praise God. And what do I do when I have a family member? i got family members that are skeptical of Christianity. They're listening to the people like the Dalai Lama and philosophical people, authors, self-help books. And so we talk about politics and religion, all the things you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table. There they are, right out there in the open. What do I do when I feel, when I see the eye roll, the head shake, or the jab, or the sarcasm come my way? Isn't that something? Those are the things that keep us from standing up for Christ. And there are people getting beheaded. Well, it's real here too. So what do I do? And what do I need to remember? And I want you to see this. I want you to see something here. Um, And that is, what do I need to remember? Well, first I need to remember this. I need to remember that opposition is normal for the godly. It's just normal. Look, Look what Jesus says. Remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. What's he saying? Hey, Jeremiah got it. Elijah got it. Elisha got it. All the minor prophets, I mean, they got run through the ringer. People hassled them. So you need to remember you're not alone. A lot of times we think, oh, I'm, getting, I'm the only person. You're not the only person. Look what Jesus says. Uh, I thought this is even Jesus weighs in. He goes, uh, in the, if the world hates you, remember that he hated me first. What are you saying? You weren't the first one. I thought it was me. And then you came along. So when you follow me, guess what? You're going to get it too. Don't be surprised by that. Peter. Now we all know about Peter, right? We know he he knows what it's like to be persecuted. Remember, he's sitting around the fire and everybody's saying, I think you've been with Jesus. 
no, it's not me. You got me mixed up with somebody else. And this, somebody goes, no, I think it's, yeah, I think it's you. And he, no, it's not, it's not me. And then some little girl goes, yeah, I saw you with Jesus the other day. And he starts throwing a fit, sailor talk. You know, he's a fisherman. He talks pretty rough, trying to convince him. He denies Christ. He knows what it's like to be pressured, right? Look what he says here. By the way, sometime read First Peter. It's got I never seen so many references to opposition and persecution in a book. I didn't realize how many. So stand firm when he attacks. Who's he talking about? Satan. Trust the Lord and remember that other Christians all around the world are going through these sufferings too. So don't be surprised. You're not alone. You're not the first one. In fact, one of the reasons you ought to study these people in the Bible is to see how they handled persecution. That's the first thing to remember. Second thing to remember is, is that opposition confirms I'm more like Christ. I mean, if they persecuted him, they're going to persecute me. If they stood up against him, they're going to stand up against me. Now, if they're not, if I, if nobody's standing up against me, I've got to reconsider. Do I have faith? I mean, is your faith causing any trouble in your life? I'm not saying go to school or go to work and poke somebody in the eye and say, I'm a Jesus freak. Just wanted to get it clear. No, I'm not saying do that. The Bible says live at peace with all men. As far as, you, as possible, it depends on you. Do that. But if you're following Christ, you're going you're to get hassled by somebody. Do you? Listen, if you're not getting hassled by somebody, you may you not know may about it. You don't have the faith you need to have. Because it's coming, and it's, it's always around us. Look at, the, look at this passage here. Again, Jesus says this in Matthew 5. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. How do people know if I follow Christ? Well, they see I, I live like Christ. How do I know if I follow Christ? Well, I live like Christ, and I get hassled by people because he got hassled. Look what Jesus says here in, in John 15. He says, remember what I told you. There's that word remember. Remember what I told you. A servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. So I need to remember that, you know, that, that a lot of the things Jesus is experiencing, I'm going to experience too. I mean, after all, if I'm following him, won't I experience what he's experiencing? What, what kind of things? Well, I I will experience things like loneliness, discouragement, disappointment. You think I won't experience those things? Jesus experienced those things. Of course. How about fatigue? How about temptation? How about uh, being misunderstood? How about being treated unfairly or criticized? You know, they called Jesus a drunk and a glutton. I have never been called either. I'm in... I'm there at Golden Corral and got that fondue, chocolate fondue and chocolate all around my mouth. And nobody goes, you're a glutton. I eat way too much there. I want to get my money's worth. I'm trying to be a good steward. I mean, nobody's ever said, you're a glutton or you're a drunk. They called Jesus that. And he says, hey, I want to remind you, Tim. That if you're my servant, you're no greater than me. It's going to happen. It's coming your way. But it indicates that you're serving me. When you experience opposition, when you feel that resistance from the world to, to cave and conform to what they want, guys, let me tell you, it's saying something wonderful about you. It is saying that you're like Christ. That's a blessing. That's a, that, talk about confidence. But if I'm getting no opposition and I'm blending in, I'm kind of flying under the radar. And by the way, we no longer are to be flying under the radar. I, I, had, I don't know how many times this happened. I got my C&W stuff on and I'm working on something. And someone goes, yeah, Tim's a preacher. You are? And I go, yeah, I'm working undercover. And I joke about it. But how often has this happened to you? You are working undercover. And then you bring up Christ, and the conversation goes sideways, or it dies. And what do we want to do? Oh, maybe I need to back up here. I need to back off a little bit. And you're being like Christ. Christ, 
He breached conversations all the time. He interrupted things all the time with a spiritual thought. So I'd say it again. Does your faith cause any trouble for you? Is it clear where you work? Is it clear on your campus that you're the Christian? See, if no one's opposing you, you have little to no faith at all. And listen, guys, when you have the faith of Christ, it will be opposed. And that confirms something wonderful. Number three, I remember that opposition will strengthen my faith. I read, read my Bible and, and, I, and I think about what I've, what I've experienced myself. And it, it isn't interesting that faith is like a muscle. We say that. And it grows as we exercise it. And you don't really get strong lifting marshmallows. Right? I think last night, James was a strong man. I was looking at it. I go, look at that. He's a strong man. He walks over and he's going like this and twirling it. I'm like, man. And then I look closely and it's styrofoam balls on the end of a broomstick handle. Wait a second. I mean, I'm 57 and my jaw was dropping open. He goes, don't be too impressed, Tim. It's just styrofoam, see? Nobody's impressed. Yeah, your faith isn't going to grow if you have no resistance. And remember those solo flexes you add on the, I call them big, thick rubber bands? And you put more on, more resistance, and what happens? It builds muscle. Faith is the same way. And opposition is resistance, folks. And when you experience opposition, I'm not saying go look for it. I'm saying it's going to, it'll find you. You don't have to go look for it, okay? And when it comes and you, and you stand up for the Lord, it makes your faith stronger. It blesses your life with stronger faith. Look what, look what Peter says. Again, Peter weighs in. Remember, there's that word, remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. It's better? Yeah. Now, you want to write this down. I learned this I learned this, this week. Let me, I, want to, I want you to write these three words down. They're very important. They're going to help you. You ready? There's three kinds of suffering in the world. The first kind of suffering is common suffering. You got it. I got it. Many of you, not all of you, got up this morning and the body, well, it just hesitated. Joints hurt. Back hurts. You know, I'm doing this professor hooping, blooping, flopping, hoofing, whatever, and, I've, and I almost lost my voice last night. I look over at Tom Tarantino. who's got the, He's got the easy job. He's walking around with a skeleton x-ray, and I go, hey, Tom, you may have to take over for me. Oh, I can't do that to him. I have to sing. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, yeah. Got it. He's going to kill me later, okay? <laughs> well, we all have that common, common suffering. Someone dies, someone gets hurt, and, you know, some, something bad happens, an accident, and we all feel the suffering, the loss. We all have that in common. That's one thing we all share in humanity. There's a second source of suffering, and that's carnal suffering. Well, what's carnal suffering? That's all that suffering I get from being stupid. From doing stupid stuff. Sinful stuff. The Bible says you reap what you sow. Consequences sometimes don't turn out real well. Why? Because before the consequences, I made a real dumb choice. I drank this, and now I'm hooked to it. I spent too much, and now I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. And I go, oh man, now I'm suffering. I'm suffering financially. I'm suffering physically. Oh, why did I do that? And we say to ourselves, I should have... Man, that's carnal suffering. God has arranged life that way on purpose. And by the way, I think there's blessings in all three of these sources, by the way. And there's the third source, and that's Christian suffering. There's the suffering I get because I'm being a Christian. And I've learned that all three... He says it's better. It's better than the other two. Why is it better than the other two? It's better than carnal suffering. Isn't that what he's saying there? Yeah, it is better than carnal suffering. You see, common suffering, and I get hurt or I have a sense of loss, you'll find yourself, many people consider reaching out to God. This week, I 
put, I'm putting in auto glass, you know, and I was putting in auto glass in a, in a body shop down in uh, near McClauslin. And um, the, the owner's name is Bob and the, and the son's name is Bobby. And these people are, I hope they never hear this lesson, these people are kind of rough. They're rude. Hey, it's Bob. Blah, 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 blah. Click. Okay, it was Bob. Where was it at again? And what did he want us to do? And then you get down there and Bobby, chip off the old block. Hey, Bobby, I'm here. What do you want? Uh, I want you to not be mad at me. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. Well, Bob got throat cancer. And they took a bunch of stuff out of his throat. And now he's in the hospital. And guess who's the nicest man at this body shop now? It's his son. For the very first time, he says to me this week, Tim, you have a great weekend, okay? And I go, sure. <laughs> and all we did, Danny and I were to get, we, all we said to Bob, his dad was, you know, Bob, we're going to be praying for you. I know it's a tough time. He's like, oh, I could use that. I could really use that. And his son hears it, and the, and the rest of the workers hear it as well. And that's what doesn't carnal suffering, common suffering will do that. It'll make you consider something spiritual. All of a sudden, maybe Bobby's trying to make karma go his way by being good now, nice. Maybe that's what it's about. But I notice there's a spiritual tone now at this body shop that I didn't see before. And the same is true with carnal suffering. One of the problems with Satan has, he knows this is, he goes, the only problem I've got with sin. He's got a problem with sin too. Did you know that? What's his problem? He knows if, he gets you in too deep, you might reach out to God. If you figure it out, you'll reach out to God. And he's hoping, if I can just keep nursing this and nobody notices, I'll get him for a lifetime. That's what carnal suffering does. Well, Christian suffering is a blessing too. It has a blessing. God says, I'll bless you with stronger faith. I'll bless. By the way, you read early church, you read a book of Acts, read church history, you find the church grew like crazy during opposition, during its toughest times. You know, we've been going through some tough times, haven't we? I think we're growing. I see some of us, some of you are not like you used to be. You're actually trying to do something for God now. What's that all about? Maybe somebody else was in the way. Maybe there was a... a, a a thought or a concept in your mind that was blocking you from seeing your personal ministry. And I'm watching some of you raise up that were sitting on the bench for years. Why? Because you're going, we got to do something. Something's, I gotta, hey, what can I do to help? Opposition makes your faith stronger. Makes a church stronger. It will bless you. Look what the Bible says here in 1 Peter. Here's Peter again, and look what he says. These troubles uh, test your faith and prove that it's pure. And such faith is worth more than gold. Gold can be proved to be pure by fire. Isn't it interesting that for gold to be purified and to be better, it has to go through something horrific, something hard. But gold will ruin. He says gold's just, you know, not eternal. When your faith is proven to be pure, well, how's that like gold? When it goes through resistance, when it goes through a pro- some fire, he says the result is what? Will be praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ comes. What a blessing. What a positive impact. When we embrace opposition, we don't run from it, and we embrace it and learn from it. My faith will grow. Now here's the fourth thing to remember. And it is that uh, I remember that opposition can be rewarding. Now, I just mentioned one reward. I think the church benefits, your life benefits, your faith grows. But look what Jesus says in Matthew 5 here up on the screen. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. There's two things I want you to notice. Again, because you're my followers, I want you to notice that because it's when I choose to follow Christ that I get blessed. That sounds so fundamentally simple. But listen again. When I choose to follow Christ, I get blessed. If I choose to follow something else, I will not be blessed. So it's, it's all connected to this 
following Jesus. But then he says, be happy about it and be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. You know what I notice about this is this idea that I'm going to be a follower means I'm going to, I have to choose. I get to, I'll not have to choose. Let me say it this way. I, honestly, I get to choose. I get to choose who I please. You get to choose who you please. And when you're trying to please everybody, you don't, first of all, you cannot please everybody. This is the lesson I've been trying to get, God's been trying to get in my head for about 10 years. You cannot, okay, don't hit me anymore. I, you cannot please everybody, Tim. There's always going to be a critic. There's always going to be somebody that's going to say something about you, lie about you. It's going to happen to you too. So who are you going to please, Tim? Well, let me see. Well, let's look at the choices. You can please yourself. You can please others. Or you can please God. Well, if I please myself, I've learned selfishness does not bless your life. It'll make you miserable. And if, I, if, if, <laughs> if pleasing this person is going to make me miserable, then every other person is going to make me miserable if I'm pleasing them. This makes sense. So who do I please? I please God. Why? Because God's the one that has the rewards in heaven. Not a single person can make an eternal reward in heaven. Since I can only, again, guys, I can please people, and I might be happy for a little while. I've actually experienced a little happiness. It never lasts, though. Because you and I don't have the capacity to put anything in eternity. There's no rewards that's going to have my name on it. You know what I'm saying? My initials on it that I put on up there. They all stay right here. But God is the only one that gives eternal eternal rewards. So I guess I'll just please Him. It makes more sense. Doesn't it? Yeah. So these are the things I should remember. I should remember these things. What do I do? Now let's talk about that for a second. What do I do when my faith is opposed? Maybe it's by a friend or a co-worker again, another student. The first thing I do is I refuse to be afraid. Obviously, it's no surprise, but I, but I refuse to be afraid. Here's John. Look what John says. When God's love, where God's love is, there is no fear because God's perfect love takes away fear. Now, you may be saying, what has that verse got to do with that point? I think everything. Everything. This may be the hinge pin. How's that, Tim? You see, when I understand God's love for me, when you understand God's love for you, you understand how He accepts you, though what He thinks matters more than what anybody else thinks. The, I don't have fear of what other people think or what they can do to me because God loves me. And that's all that matters. He says where there's God's love, His love takes away the fear. And so this tells me something about me. Whenever I'm afraid and I start worrying and stuff, I need to work on understanding God's love for me. In fact, doesn't he talk about how wide and deep and high it is? It's just, it's so big. Surely you can't understand it all in a lifetime, but I can understand enough to take away my fear. And when I understand God will take care of me, even after I've been opposed, even after somebody has jeered me, even if somebody lies to me, there is life after all that, church. Look at this. This verse is coming from a guy who, well, remember at Gethsemane, what happened at Gethsemane? You know, Jesus is there. Some of the disciples are there. Here comes Judas with some Roman soldiers and gives him a smack on the cheeks. Soldiers start moving in. You know, Malchus is starting to move in to grab Jesus. Peter pulls his sword. There goes an ear. Now, that would be a treat from the trunk. I'd like to see it at a booth there. Man, that would be cool. Okay? And there's a bloody ear. Jesus goes, stop that! And he picks it up, puts it back on. What's Malchus thinking about all this? Oh, wow. Peter's sitting there going, man, I'm not very good with this. I was aiming right for the middle of the head. And, and, and all this is going on. The soldiers grab Jesus. What's John do? You all know what John did? He takes off running. And it says he ran out of his clothes. 
He, somebody had a hold of him, and out of his coat he goes, and he's gone. But the great thing about this guy is he comes back. And he is at the foot of the cross of Jesus. Never leaves his side again. Why? The Bible says he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. Somehow, yeah, he had a moment of fear, but the love of Jesus cast out that fear where he would go and face those Roman soldiers, perhaps the same ones, and not be afraid. I say it again, guys. When you understand how much God loves you and you get get a good idea of what that's all about, it will, listen, you won't worry about what people think or what they can do to you. Let me show you another passage. Peter said this. You know, Peter learned to stand up. He learned to cast out his fear. He learned how to do that. And look what he says here. He says, But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry, circle worry, don't worry or be afraid, circle afraid, for their, uh, of their threats. Instead, you must, circle that word, worship. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. You know what I noticed something? When I start feeling the pressure, when you start feeling the pressure, you can either worry about it or worship. You either worry about it or you can worship God through it. I mean, think about this. I was thinking about this. You look at Stephen in the book of Acts. And a young man named Saul accuses him of blasphemy. He throws the first rock. The coats of everybody else are laying at his feet. Why are the coats laying at this guy's feet? Well, they're taking them off so they can, you know, really get warmed up and they can really throw a rock. And they start hitting Stephen with these rocks. What does Stephen do? The Bible says he looked up into heaven. When he was experiencing opposition, he worshipped God. He kept his focus on the Lord. Isn't that what that's saying? Worship Christ as Lord of your life when you're opposed. Why? It'll cast out all fear. Stephen wasn't afraid. He didn't hurl rocks back. He didn't say, oh my God, I'm in trouble. I'm going to die. He took it like a Christian. Number two, not only do I refuse to be afraid, I refuse to be ashamed. People say things, do things, and we, we're embarrassed. We get embarrassed. And so what do we do when we get embarrassed? We back down a little bit. Again, I'm not saying go out this week and be obnoxious. Don't go out this week and, and you see a non-Christian and uh, kind of bump chest. You know, chest bump, listen, you're not pushing me around. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God. You know, you can, I'm not saying do that, okay? You know. But when somebody starts pressuring you and you start feeling embarrassed by being a Christian, what are you embarrassed about? Denise and I were on a cruise. We bought a bunch of glass one time. We went to a Caribbean cruise. And so we're the youngest people there. And they put Denise and I at a table, not with the St. Louis glass companies, but with the glass companies from Minnesota and Wisconsin. I'm sitting across the table from a guy named Dick Carbon, and he's from, say it with holiness with me, Green Bay, Wisconsin. He's sitting across the table from me, and he's telling me how he know he met Vince Lombardi. I touch him. I've touched a man who touched Vince Lombardi. That's better than, what, six degrees with Kevin Bacon. I'm close. <laughs> well, and he says, you know, uh, you know, I used to, I was at the, the Super Bowl in 67. You were? I was 10 years old. And I got cufflinks from Vince Lombardi. You mean he gave them to you? And I'm going to give them to you. What? And he did. I have him at home. Cufflinks from Vince Lombardi. That's, that is, wow, yeah, wow. There are cufflinks from Vince Lombardi, okay. Well, my point is this. Well, here's my point, okay. We're sitting at the table. We're sitting at the table and we're going to have a toast. And this guy comes up. He's George the Steak Man from Minnesota. And he's famous for giving out steaks for every windshield. And he comes up and he pops poof, champagne. 
And he goes, and he pours uh, champagne in all the glasses. He comes to mine. I go, I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I don't drink. He goes, oh, so you won't toast with us? And Dick Carbon's like, really? And I go, wait a minute. I drink soda? And they go, well, we've heard about you. You're the Christian. And I go, well, can I, can, can I toast with soda? They said, sure. And we all toasted and we drank together. They were like, you're not what we thought you'd be. And I said, well, if you want to drink, you want to drink and not remember what you did on this cruise, that's your, your freedom. But I'd like to remember what I did on this cruise. And I, and, and, I, and I thought to myself, he was trying to shame me, trying to, you know, I felt a little pressure, like, well, maybe, you know, nobody's here. You guys aren't there. And the guy that's serving us is from Turkey, and his name is Erdem, and he can't speak any English. I think I could do that. No, I go, no, I'm a Christian, and I'm not ashamed of it. And we had a great time. Dick and I are, are now very good friends, very good friends. And his wife, Penny, good people. What's your point, Tim? I'm saying you, know, you don't have to cower and be embarrassed by being a Christian. Christianity's going to put you in some embarrassing spots, but you don't have to be embarrassed about it. In fact, I found out that they were a little more embarrassed about things than I was. All of a sudden, the conversation started going spiritual. Started talking about God instead of glass. I thought that was kind of cool. Look what the Bible says here. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. This is Peter saying this, guys. He used to be embarrassed. He used to be ashamed. So that tells me you can overcome this. I can overcome this. He says, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. In the book of Acts, you find out Peter and John were flogged after talking about Jesus. And it says they went out rejoicing because, because they said they bared His name. They, they realized, I'm a, I must be like Christ because they're treating me the same way. And they were in a Christian sense, proud of it, grateful. They had confirmation that they must be right before God. I want you to write this statement down. I, I heard this this week from a sermon. I wanted to pass it on to you. I think it, this guy said it will change your life. I believe it, it, it does, and it does change mine. And here's how it goes. I don't need other people's approval to be happy. I do not need other people's approval to be happy. See, the root of embarrassment for a lot of Christians is worrying about what other people think and trying to please them. And guys, if you're going to be a Christian, it's about pleasing God. Don't be ashamed of it. You're following the Creator. The Creator of all. Mark 8, Jesus said this. This is how serious it is about this shame stuff. Look what he says here. People today are so sinful, they have not been faithful to God. As you live among them, don't be ashamed of me and my teaching. If that happens, I'll be ashamed of you when I come with the glory of my Father and the holy angels. Pretty clear, isn't it? If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Let me ask you, are you embarrassing Jesus? Are you embarrassing Jesus in public, in private? Stop it. Stop it. Why? Not because I say so. Because your Jesus is going to go, I don't know you. If you're going to treat Jesus like you really don't know Him, He's going to treat you like He doesn't know you. So don't be ashamed. Be excited about bearing the name Christian. Number three, I recognize the source, Satan. I, if I want to be able to handle any opposition, I recognize the real source is Satan. Again, here's Peter. Look what Peter says. Be careful. Watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. You see, guys, it's not your coworker. It's not your family member. It's not that person on the campus that's attacking you and lying about you that's the real opposition you face. You hear me? 
It is, that is not the source. When Jesus, he had the same problem with people. And as they crucified him, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Wait a second, what are you trying to say, Jesus? It's really not them, Tim. But they're doing it. Yeah, but they're not. Look, Tim, I died for people and for my Father. I did not die for Satan. And I'm doing this because I love people. But they're doing it to you. I know. But don't get sidetracked with that. Look beyond that. Look, look deeper than the person. Because that person needs me. That's what Jesus, that's what he did. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That coworker, he has no idea what he's doing. She has no idea what she's doing. That person on campus that's lying about the campus ministry or giving you a hard time, they have no idea what they're talking about. Oh, that's just, you're just telling us to ignore them. Yes. Yes. Don't ignore Jesus. And don't ignore the real enemy. Always be, remember, there's a greater enemy that's behind these people. Look at what it says in Ephesians 6 here. For we are not fighting against human beings. What do you say? We're not fighting people. Even Paul, you know, he says, look, we're not fighting people. What are we fighting against? We're against wicked spiritual forces in the heavenly world, the rulers and authorities, and cosmic powers of this dark age. I don't know about you, that's intimidating. That sounds intimidating to me personally. I mean, I, I, I can't handle people. You know what I'm saying? A big guy or you know somebody that's tough, knows Taekwondo and karate and three other Chinese words. I mean, that's, that's you know, I don't know what I can do with them. But cosmic powers in the dark age, I can't see them. Spiritual forces, how do I handle that? With a relationship with God. You see, guys, just like there's this spiritual cosmic power that's in the dark age against us, there is a cosmic power of light like a great cloud of witnesses, the Hebrew writer says, that's all around you and I. And they're saying, go, go, go. I think of a cheer. Go, pack, go. Well, in heaven. We'll go, we'll go to the Super Bowl. Anyway. That had to be a Bear fan moaning. I'm... But see, let's get back on track. I want you to notice, in heaven, in heaven, you have a, a great cloud of witnesses saying, Go, Gary. Keep going, Alice. Don't stop, Jeff. Keep going forward, John. Keep going. Stand up. Without a relationship with God, you have none of that. You're on your own. So I need to remember and recognize the real source is Satan, and I need some real help from God. Number four, I rely on God's justice. When people lie about me, call me names, and, you know, I'm still not. Guys, I'll be honest with you. I still worry about people calling me names and lying about me and criticizing me and giving me a heart. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you guys. I, I, I deal with it too. And it's all about my feelings getting hurt. I mean, I'm not, nobody's got a sword in their hand going to behead me. Nobody's shooting anybody in my family or shooting me because I'm a Christian. This is, this is easy stuff when you think about it. But it's real and it keeps me, it makes me, makes me shrink back. It makes me take and pause. And God's wanting to help us in America. We need Christians that are, guys, God is looking for Christian men and women that will stand up strong in this, in this society. And one of the ways I can, I, I, I can handle this, I just rely on God's justice over my own. Look what he says, Jesus says in Matthew 5. When they're lying, when they're talking all about you, mocking you, persecuting you, he says, be happy about it and be very glad. Why? Because there's a reward in heaven. Something from God. He said, you choose, you choose, guys. How you're going to approach opposition. Oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, it's killing me. 
He says, be happy about it. Be glad about it. How can I be glad about it? Well, you bear the name of Christ. But God is involved and He'll take care of you. Let me ask you something. What's your reaction when somebody calls you a name or sarcastic to you because you're a Christian? What's your response when somebody lies about you or puts you down? Look what Jesus did. Here in 1 Peter, Peter recorded. It must have made such an impact on Peter, he had to mention it. People insulted Christ, but he did not insult them in return. Christ suffered, but he did not threaten. He let God, the one who judges rightly, take care of him. I read, I read this and this week. I thought, what if, you know, it's, it's a simple point, but I want you to know this. Anytime I react, I give control to that person. Anytime I react, I give control to that person. But any, listen, anytime I respond, I give God control. I let God deal with it. I let God have it. And the message says this, they called him every name in the book and he said nothing back. You know, I remember reading about the crucifixion, and there's some people from the cross giving the crowd a hard time, and it was the thieves. They even gave Jesus a hard time, didn't they? But what's Jesus do? He says things like, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. He, he doesn't say a lot. He prays. He worships while he's being persecuted. He's talking to Christians, his mother and John. He's talking to disciples. That's wise. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't make threats. I know where you live. Sunday morning, I'll see you. None of that. No threats. He doesn't retaliate. Guys, I want you to know, if, we, if you could respond this way, if you could rely on God's justice, you're never more like Christ when you do that under opposition. When you bite your tongue, and you let God take care of it. Romans 12, I love this in the message. Don't hit back. Doesn't sound, don't you feel like you're in the third grade? Don't hit back. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. So what do I do? I, I simply let God handle it. I give God the control of that situation. Again, Look at 1 Peter. Peter says this, So then, those who suffer according to God's will, is it God's will I suffer? Yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. And when you suffer, he says, he should, should what? Submit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do what is good. You just keep going. You don't let, the, you don't let these critics, you don't let these, these, these uh, hench, spiritual henchmen try to take you off task. Because you've been created to do something for the Lord. Don't let them rob you of that. How do I do it? You rely on God to take care of it. Number five, then we're done. I respond with a blessing. I'm going to tell you right now, this is, I think, the hardest of all. This is the hardest. I, this may be the most difficult thing to do as a Christian. Because everything in my body, every bone in my body, every cell in my bloodstream wants to do the opposite when, I've, when I'm being picked on and being hurt. I want to fight back. Paul said it this way, do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. He says, the way you handle opposition is, you don't let it get the best of you, you give your best to it. You overcome by being good, doing good. Jesus is more specific and let me, again, look at your notes here. This is probably perhaps the most difficult verse in the Bible. I rank it up there in at least the top five. How would you read? Love your enemies. I don't think so. He says, love your enemies, Tim. Hate your enemies, right? No, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Who wants to do that? I bet if we had a volunteer booth, who wants to do good to the people who hate you? The sign-up sheet would be bare. Pray for those who mistreat you. I can do that. Lord, strike them dead before the sun goes down. No. 
No, that's not what I mean, Tim. Oh, rats! Pray for them when they mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, a left hook works wonders. No, it doesn't say that. Why doesn't it say that? (laughs) If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. Uh, How do I do that? How do you do that? Jesus, are you being unreasonable? Did I? What did I do, Tim? You loved your enemies. You did good to those who hated you. You, well, you, you blessed those that cursed you. And you prayed for people as they were killing you. And you let them not only slap you around, but beat you and hang you with nails on a cross. Okay, if you're going to follow me, you've got it. This is part of the plan. You sure there's going to be blessing if I do this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why, the kingdom of heaven belongs to someone like you. When you're like this. Guys, this takes tremendous courage and tremendous faith. Because it is not easy. But I want you to know, it's the, one of the most powerful ways to live as a Christian when you can pull that off. When you can believe that enough to say, you know what, I'm going to do it whether it makes sense or not. But there's not enough details there. I don't think God's going to give you a lot of details on this one. He wants you to figure this out. It's one of the most powerful ways. That's why it's so hard. It's so hard to do because it's connected to so much power. Because when you live like this, you change the world. When you live like this, you change the world. How do you know that, Tim? Because one night, Jesus was visited by a guy named Nicodemus. Off in the dark, Nicodemus says, Can I speak to you? And Jesus goes, Sure. Can you hold your voice down? I don't want anybody to know that we're here. Okay, what is it? When you talk about being born again, how's that work? What do you mean? Do I get back inside my mom? I don't think she's going to like that. No, I'm not talking about that, Nick. This is what I mean. Blah, 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 blah. You're born of the water and the Spirit. Okay, thanks. And then night's over and Nicodemus goes back home. And then what do we find out later? We see Jesus go through persecution. We see Him go through opposition. He's killed. And who comes and gets the body of Jesus? Nick shows up. At night? Broad daylight. I want the body. Why? I just I follow him. I want the body. Aren't you scared? I want the body. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. And you can't keep him from me. But he's dead. I'll take him dead. Because he's going to come back. Here's a guy afraid who now out in the open. Stephen is stoned. And a young man named Saul is watching this guy suffer. And he becomes a Christian. You know, Stephen, with one good throw, like David and Goliath, could have ended the persecution of Paul. You realize that, don't you? One rock, help me, Lord, and killed Saul, and that would have been the end of the persecution. But no, he lets it it happen to him. He embraces it because he knows God is going to bless it some way. And how does he bless it? Stephen goes to heaven and Saul becomes a Christian and rocks the world. You see, the person that's giving you the business face-to-face may not be the guy that God's trying to reach. And if you don't suffer... If you're not willing to go through the opposition, guys, they may never become a Christian. If you run from the suffering, they may never know the Savior. So this week, I want you to be brave. Be brave. What's brave look like? It looks like Jesus. I want to say to you moms and dads, 
don't let Disney teach your children how to be brave. You teach them. You teach them. You show them what happens when things go wrong and sideways. Let them see the struggle. It'd be the greatest lesson they'd ever learn. Even if they're grown up, let them see you go through it. Let them see you stand up for your faith. Why? Because look what the Bible says here. Look what the Bible promises here. If you, Jesus said this, if you stand before others and are willing to say, say you believe in me, then I will tell my Father in heaven that you belong to me. Oh, that'd be awesome, huh? Stand up for the Lord then. This week, I want to give you an assignment. Do something brave for Jesus. Do something brave. When you, as soon as you leave these doors, you figure out, what am I going to do? Do something. Maybe it's when you're at, when you're at a restaurant, you pray. You say, oh, Tim, I don't know. Why not? That'd be brave. You ever watch other people pray when you're at a restaurant? Besides thinking, why didn't we pray? I look over at them and I go, they must follow Christ. They must be Christians. What a great thing to see. It encourages me. And maybe, I'm not saying you all pray real loud. Oh, thank you so much for this food. You'll clear Applebee's in a heartbeat. Don't do that. But, but at least, you know, why not pray? Why not, better yet, why not, why not uh, on your smartphone? You've got lists of people that are, are not Christians. Why not text one of them and say, I'm praying for you right now. And really pray now. Don't just say it. And just say, I'm praying for you. That would encourage them. They're going to go, what's going on? Better yet, if you know somebody, and I've thought about this with Danny and I, as often as we go down to this body shop, if we prayed with Bob or prayed with Bobby or prayed for Bruce down here at Stock Auto Body, who's got a, part of, got a lump in his leg, and he doesn't know what it is. What would happen if I prayed with him? Oh, they'll come to church and they'll be baptized. I, I'm, I don't know if I'm really, in, I'm really thinking about that so much as God would answer the prayer and help them. And they'd seek God and find Him, though He's not far from anyone. What would be something brave for you? Somebody publicly at work embarrasses you, and instead of publicly giving it back, you take them privately to the side and say, listen, I want to talk to you, and offer a Bible study or an invitation to church. Would that be brave for you? Do it. Do it this week. Try it. It's not going to get any easier, guys. It's not going to get any easier. The world is changing. And God needs men and women to stand up and say, you know what? I'm going to stand up for the Lord. And I'm going to be a real Christian. There's a card in your bulletin. It gives you an opportunity to respond to this lesson. Maybe you'd like to write something. Maybe you already have. Uh, we're going to sing a song and give you a chance to fill out that card if you like. Would you like a personal Bible study? Check that box. Would you like some counseling, some help? Check that box. But if you're a Christian and you're doing well, I want to tell you, man, um, why, not, why not ask people who pray here at this church? This, because these cards go to people to do that. Pray for me to be bold this week. I want to do something brave. We're going to give you a chance to fill out that card. We're going to sing a song, and then we're going to sing another song and take up those cards along with our regular contribution that we have every week. And may God bless you. May God bless you as you, as you live out this week. And, and may you face opposition with Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for so much for... For your word, Lord, thank you. I love your Bible. I love what you have to say, Lord. It's so helpful. Well, I know some of us here, we, we meet opposition every time we go home. We meet opposition every time we, we um, go to work or where we're just out with some friends. It's not as aggressive as Syria or Iraq or, or Korea. But Lord, it, 
it's enough to make us back down. And Lord, I know I can be such a wimp. We can be such wimps. But God, we know you want us. We don't want to be ashamed of you. We want. We don't want to embarrass you. Lord, would you help us be men and women who will stand up and face opposition kindly, gently, and firmly. Help us remember that you're with us. That it's normal. That that Father, you're going to reward us, and that our faith could be strong. Lord, I pray for everybody here at Greater Alton that we refuse to be afraid or ashamed. That we'll see that the real source behind this is not a family member, not a coworker. It is Satan himself. And he's and Father, I know he can't. But I know he doesn't want to. He can't do anything to you, but he'd love to do something to, to your kids. And Father, I know that if he does something to to, to us, it it messes with you and it, it angers you, Lord. And we know that you love us. So God, would you help us help us resist shrinking back this week to resist being quiet, but Father, to be bold, to speak up, to trust you, rely on you, Lord, and to let you deal with the outcome. Because we know somebody could be listening. There could be another Nicodemus watching us or another Apostle Paul watching us. And help us respond, Lord, by, by with blessing, not with not with attitude, not with sarcasm, not with hatred. Help us oh man, Lord, help us obey this passage in Luke six. Because it's not easy. It's not easy. Father, I pray everybody here think about this. Just just to think about a question. What is my faith costing me? Is it costing me anything? Because Lord it does. Father, we pray this week that we'll pay that price. Even if it someday is going to include our own life. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.